0: I do want to give one more word um, of testimony. Next Sunday, we will be, there's a few special things going on, but we'll also be having communion on next Sunday. And so we like to uh, let people know that and let you prepare your hearts for that. We join together as a church family as God commanded us to observe the elements. And so we will remember the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ next week. So I'd encourage you to be, a, make sure you're a part of that service. You know, these winter Sundays are always, you never know what's going to happen from one week to the next. You wonder what the weather's going to be like. And we are blessed to have a live broadcast over WMPC and the radio station. But oftentimes when I see a heavy snow coming, I think, boy, I think the listenership's going to be up quite a bit on WMPC. This week, because some of our folks might be staying home. I'm glad you have that resource, but I'm also glad that some of you uh, would come out and that you would make it a priority to you to be with God's people. There is something very sweet and something special about joining with fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. One thing that I came across in my reading about two years ago was one pastor, and it was right when they were developing, it's quite some time back now, they were just developing the recording. Of the services and he had a very strong uh, feeling against that and um, the only reason was is because he had a strong conviction of the presence of the Holy Spirit when the church would join together to worship and we talk about that here and he was even connecting it saying if you record it and play it later on it's not going to have that same kind of a connection with the Holy Spirit I will pray oftentimes on Sunday mornings, and I have a mental picture that goes through my mind that the Holy Spirit would be even, this is my picture, he's weaving his way, even out around each and every one of you, and touching our hearts, and giving us ears that we would hear the message of God. And that's been my prayer this morning, and hopefully I will not get in the way of God's word, but we will enjoy this time. Having said that, let's stop and ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit to be obvious to us as we study. Precious Heavenly Father, in your perfect plan, you have seen before the foundations of the world that we would even be here this very day. We thank you for that. We thank you that that your plan is a good plan, that will be for your glory, and will be for your children's good we thank you that we stand as beneficiaries of that. We praise you that we can open this wonderful word and study it now. And I would ask that the Holy Spirit would work hard to teach us now. Because I realize the things that would be vying for our attention, the distractions, as even was mentioned earlier in the service, maybe some are having a, uh, a low time of a, of a past week, maybe some are heading to the top of the mountain, and those things can pull us off track And as we join together and open your word, we are being very intentional to study it and to be encouraged by this wonderful, wonderful story of the history of your church, how these churches got started, and how you will continue your church until your son Jesus comes back. We thank you for this. Thank you for the blessing. We ask that you would be clearly present with us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you today about having a life that counts For something. You know, each one of us gets one life. When I was growing up, every time we'd have a baptismal service, we sang the song, Only One Life to Offer. We sang it every single time. And it was an appropriate song when someone is making public their decision to follow Jesus Christ through the waters of baptism. What motivates you to have a life that counts? Some things are good motivators, some things are different for some than for others. But when an accountability comes, that can be a good motivator for us. Some people think of judgment and the judgment seats that we will see in the future and how that can be a motivator. Our message today is mainly for people who are followers of Jesus Christ. So I'm talking to the the majority of our text is going to be for people who have realized they needed Jesus and are following him in their life. And a motivator for Christians can be the judgment seat of Christ, or the bema seat. This is not a seat of judgment where we will be judged for our sins, but it's one where we'll be judged for our works. If I can go ahead and connect it to what I just said, where we'll be judged for having a life that made a difference, a life that counts. There is another judgment that's going to take place, and that's going to be the great white throne judgment. That's for unbelievers, and the only thing that will be a criteria at that judgment will be is their name written in the Lamb's book of life or not. It's kind of a pass fail judgment. And we need to understand that the Bible tells us that wide is the gate to destruction. Many will be on that road to destruction. Many will be judged and will be cast out. But if you know Jesus Christ today, you will stand before the bema seat. That judgment for your works, how you've spent your life in this world. If We're going to be graded on something. Many of us have some familiar words. And I think that that bema seat is going to be, it's not a pass-fail. I mean, there are going to be many people who have faithfully spent their time in this world following Jesus and earning crowns that he would give. But there's one line that oftentimes we will hear that we want to hear God say to us at the end of our life and that line many of you can finish it with me is well done thou good and faithful servant don't you want to hear that whether this be your last day in this world or you live another hundred years wouldn't you love for the words that you hear from God well done good and faithful servant what a wonderful wonderful testimony that would, could be said about us. You know, there are a handful of descriptions that we come across as we study the Bible that kind of make us uh, perk up a little bit and say, ooh, ooh, I would love for that to be said about me. Sometimes we'll come across a line in the Scriptures and we'll say, wow, that's, 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 that's a good thing. That's, pretty, that's, that's a great thing to say about someone. I would love for that to be said about me. We're going to come across one of those lines, in my opinion anyway, one that I would love to be said about me after my time in this world is over, where we see this phrase that there was a group of individuals that, for Jesus Christ, turned the world upside down. It sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, you could put that on a bumper sticker, couldn't you? They turned the world upside down. I don't want to give away too much of our text right away, but let me go ahead and tell you that was not believers that were going around saying we're turning the world upside down. It was unbelievers. It were people who were suffering because of the impact that the gospel of Jesus Christ was making. And honestly, I don't know if there's anything much sadder than a Christian who makes very little difference in this world for Jesus Christ. And right away, individuals can start to make excuses. Well, this is my lot in life. This is my history. This is what's happened. I do not doubt that we all have a different story. And I do not doubt that some might have a more difficult climb than others. But I also do not doubt that we have one God who wants to take every follower of his and make them into something that is fruitful and beautiful and where you can stand before him one day in here well done, good, and faithful. Now, there are a lot of different uh, qualities that we can add to our life to help us with this, but I want to go ahead and give you a formula today. I see this from our text, and I want to give you a formula. It's not a guarantee necessarily that you're going to have just an incredibly fruitful life, but I see it here with this missionary team And I think that we can apply these right to our own life. So let me go ahead and give us this formula. I started out with just a picture of an individual. So that's how everybody starts. There are all kinds of people. And the good news is, is that God knows there are all kinds of people. He knows there are different gifts, different abilities. God knows there are different backgrounds and pains. And the good news is, is God uses every kind of person to accomplish his will. When we look at our lives and we see God using us, we understand that maybe you've been giving, given some things and you need to evaluate those to see how you can use them for something that will last for eternity. Maybe you've been given um, just a, an above average amount of intelligence. Some of us are jealous of you because of that. Use it for God's glory, use it in this way that w- w- would produce fruit. Some of you have a magnetic personality. You're just someone who people want to sit next to and want to talk to. Use that for Jesus Christ. Maybe you know somebody who is just kind. If, if I ask you right now just to go through your mind and think of somebody in your history that they were just an extremely kind person, you probably wouldn't have to search very hard. I right now have a name coming to my mind, and they were just so kind, this individual. Everybody that knew them just knew they, how kind they were, and this one used that kindness for Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been given a a talent. Maybe you have great wealth. Maybe you're a person that is dependable. How important is that in our walk? So we start with a person, you. Many different kinds of people. God talks about his church, and it says that it's like a body with many different members making up one body, the body of Christ. And then we add to the person courage. We're going to see this in our text today. We need to add to the person, to each one of us, courage. Has, everyone, has anyone ever told you that God wants you to be a part of the Great Commission? Has anyone ever told you that? If not, let me encourage you today. God does want you to be a part of a plan of bringing people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And this is going to take courage. Courage. I'll talk about this in a little bit more, but some of you may not need a whole lot of help in this area. Some people just have courage. They're bold. When I go to the Scriptures and I think of somebody who was pretty bold, they didn't need to be encouraged to step out there. I think right up in the New Testament, the Apostle Peter, even if it wasn't the right thing, he was was getting out there. But God needed to work on him to make sure it was directed in the right way. Maybe you don't need to gain courage. Some of us do. I would be in that category of ones that need to gain courage. The courage to obey. Or maybe you already have it and it needs to be directed in the right way. We add to this courage the wisdom in your method. And this is is a unique point that we're going to draw out of this because you need to understand that you may have a different approach in this goal of the Great Commission with someone that maybe you do business with in the marketplace. You might have a different method with them and with someone in your family. And so keep in mind who your audience is and the place where you are at. And so we have this courage to obey, we have the wisdom to know which method to use, and then we cannot separate this from when God gives eternal fruit. We have to have the blessing of the Holy Spirit. No matter how magnetic your personality is, no matter how great your method is, you will not have Fruit in someone coming to Jesus Christ without this point, the blessing of the Holy Spirit. No matter what, you you will not see someone getting saved without the Holy Spirit's involvement. And all of this together is going to lead us to a life that makes a difference. This is going to be a life where you can stand before God and say, boy, I I really did give my all. I really did try. And I think God allows us to do that. This can allow you to turn your world upside down, if I can borrow the words. Well, all that to bring us to our text, Acts chapter 17. If you're not already there in Acts 17, please do turn there. Acts 17, and basically I'm going to um, highlight a couple different occasions in this history book of the New Testament. And we're going to see where this missionary team needed to be courageous, where they needed to give the message and where they needed to anticipate fruit. So if you're a note-taker, we're going to talk about those three things in Acts 17. We're going to look at two different cities here in this account. I didn't think that would be too much for us to, to bite off, uh, because in these two cities, we have two different ways that individuals are responding to the gospel. And that should be helpful to you. I just talked to someone this morning, and talked to them about how they met Jesus Christ, and they had a unique story. Something that was unique to them, and they'll never forget how they came to Jesus Christ. When we look at these two cities here, Thessalonica and Berea, we find that they had different approaches to the gospel, different ways of receiving it. And that's going to help us with that number three there, or uh, that uh, wisdom in determining the method, I should say. And so as we look at these cities and look at the different methods, I want to challenge us with what this missionary team did. Let me go ahead and give you the first one here. I want to challenge us to be courageous. Can I challenge you today to be bold? As you walk through the life that you have, have courage. A good definition of courage for the believer is courage equals confidence in God. It's not that you checked your brain at the door and you're just, you know, crossing your fingers that something is going to happen. You're believing God's word, that he said you would produce fruit. Let me ask this as we jump into Acts 17. How could Paul go from that conflict in Philippi? Remember where we were a couple weeks ago? He was actually in jail. Remember that? He goes from jail and being released, and he jumps right into another conflict. And he gets into one in Thessalonica, and as he leaves that town, he jumps right into another one. How could Paul go from one conflict into another? It's because his confidence in his work was from God. What was it that led to Paul's courage? Well, as we've seen in our study, Paul clearly was given instruction from God. God was leading. Remember, he wanted to go one direction. Then he wanted to go another direction, and God said no, and God pointed him in this way. And then God also blessed his efforts. So Paul saw God working in a beautiful way. He was not afraid to go to jail. I ask myself that question sometime. When I see a direction that maybe our country is going, am I afraid to go to jail? Are you afraid, for what you believe, to go to jail? He wasn't afraid. Remember what happened when he went to jail? Who got saved? Jailer got saved, right? Jailer's family got saved. You know, what a wonderful testimony. So he wasn't afraid of that. Look in the first verse with me of Acts 17, where it says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul went in. If you can see verse number 10, go and look at that with me. We'll look at these churches side by side. Verse 10 says, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. And so here we have a visit to Thessalonica and a visit to Berea. And his persistence is amazing. Because he gets out of a riot in Thessalonica. And this is the kind of courage that would turn the world upside down. If I can go ahead and challenge you with this, this is the kind of courage that will change your world. We had a special number a little bit ago. And the challenge in that song was to cross the steeps, no, to climb the steeps and cross the waves in order to send the light we don't anticipate that do we i want to send the light this week is that going to include climbing a mountain doing doing something that is difficult some of us don't need to add courage we just need to point that courage in the right direction but paul and his team they had courage and added to that they would give the message this was always part of their plan and let me go ahead and say this okay because this is i'm going to take the out away oftentimes when i talk to us i'll I'll leave an out I do that on a regular basis. I'm going to take the out away. It is good for you and I as followers of Jesus to live in the light of Christ. But don't miss this. Eventually, you have to give the message. I want you to live a life that reflects the character of Jesus Christ and that is beautiful in this world and where you are admired as a Christian But if you're going to produce this fruit that God wants us to have, eventually you're going to have to give the message. Look in verse number 2 with me of Acts 17. And Paul went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead, And saying, This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And so, catch this, he gave the message. You need to live as a light in this world, but eventually you're going to have to say the words. You're going to have to give the message out. I think Paul's message was longer than this, but he got to Jesus Christ. He didn't skip Jesus Christ, he didn't talk about the benefits of being a Christian, he talked about Jesus Christ. And we know his sermons went longer. Later on in our study of Acts, we're going to see a sermon went so long that somebody fell asleep and fell out the window, fell to his death there. That's why we have so few windows in here and why you sit down when I preach. It's wonderful to see God work. You cannot miss the fact that eventually you're going to have to say the words to give the message of the gospel. The method in Thessalonica was he reasoned with them from the scriptures. He was explaining and he was proving it. Do you see that method there? And this was in Paul's wheelhouse, I think. He was good at this. He was debating with them. Understand what Paul was doing here because he did not have the New Testament, which is where most of us go to for our gospel presentation, right? He was giving the gospel of Jesus Christ from the Old Testament. And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I went ahead and put in your bulletin um, some scriptures that very likely the Apostle Paul would have used, that talk about Jesus Christ, talk about his birth, talk about his suffering all before he was born, of course. That's a good reference for you. And maybe it's a challenge for you. Maybe you can add to those. And if you're going to encounter someone, uh, maybe a Jew, that's going to be a valuable tool for you to be able to lead them to Jesus Christ from those Old Testament scriptures that they would hold so dearly. So understand what Paul was doing. He was reasoning with the people. And reasoning with someone means you're going to give a clear teaching of the Bible. Now remember the challenge that we had to use the best method because the method's going to change when we move on to Berea here. When we come to Berea, we find this was a group of people that were serious about the Old Testament. In fact, that name Berea, that might ring a bell for some of you. Just this morning, I just got on my phone and I googled Berean Church and I found within an hour's driving distance three different churches at least that you can drive to within an hour that are called, that have the word Berean in their name. Why would churches do that? Because they have respect for the description of these people in Berea. Let's go ahead and look at verse 11 of Acts 17 where it says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Maybe you've experienced a Sunday school class that chose their name and they called themselves the Berean class. I know I've heard that before. Something good to be said about these ones, but it's a different method. They were eager to examine what the Apostle Paul had to say. And I am so happy for you when you'll come across someone who isn't just going to or have to debate necessarily, but they'll say, okay, man of God, woman of God, let's, let's see. You say the Bible's the source of everything you believe. Let's go ahead and jump in here, and let's see if this is really true. I had that experience years ago. I had a wonderful coworker of mine, and as we worked side by side, um, he was not a Christian, but he was searching. He was looking. Keep your eyes open for people who are searching. And on the job, we were working side by side, and I remember the question he asked me about my faith and Christianity, and I didn't want to be offensive. I gave him a response that I was positive would not be offensive. And he pressed me, and I didn't want to be offensive, so I gave another similar response. And he pressed me, and that led us to going and getting into God's Word, to going through a Bible study, which clearly answered his questions and explained the gospel and led to him coming to Jesus Christ. But what was he doing? He was eager not to see what Jeremy had to say, but he was eager to see what the Word of God had to say. And wonderfully, that was a unique method that God brought my way. And so we need to give the message. And then also, as we go through this, one more thing, and this is walking in faith, we need to anticipate fruit. This is believing God. I think it applies a little bit to the first one, to have courage. But you need to anticipate fruit. Let me just go ahead and ask this question. If you knew ahead of time what the result was going to be when you stepped out on faith like this, would it be easier for you to step out on faith? I mean, if you knew somebody how they were going to respond, then it would be a positive response to the gospel. If you knew that was the case, would would it be a little easier for you to step out? What if God gave you a guarantee of fruit? I want to suggest to us today, this might be strong for some of you to receive, but I want to to suggest to us today that God does give a guarantee that every follower of Jesus Christ will have fruit in this category. I think John 15, 16 teaches us that as he was talking to his followers and we apply that wonderful verse right to ourselves where Jesus says, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. I don't think it's a stretch for me to say that applies to every woman and every man that follows Jesus Christ. You are to have fruit and to have fruit that abides. Now, in order for you to affect your world, you're going to need to see converts. I know this is strong words. I recognize that. And I don't know if your part in that process is going to be the planting or the watering of that seed or the actual seeing of that fruit during your time. It might be one of those. It might be all three of those. Just as I was thinking about this this morning and going over our lesson, I was encouraged. I mentioned my friend, coworker that coworker worker that came to Jesus Christ and what a blessing that was. And I mentioned the Bible study that we did. That Bible study that we did is an old one. I don't even have it anymore. It's called One by One. So W-O-N by O-N-E. One by one. It's a Bible study. And I already had access to it. I'd already gone through it because years before, there was an older gentleman in my church. I think I was 19 or 20. And he invited me to meet with him on Sunday afternoons and have a Bible study. I didn't have anything to offer him. And he met with me. His wife would make some sweet tea and we'd sit down and I'd ask the most difficult and interesting questions you can imagine. And he would give almost the same response most of the time when he asked it. Do you know what his response was? He would say, I don't know. Don't be afraid if you don't know the answers. And that gentleman sat down with me for month after month after month. We went through that Bible study book and he was just faithful. And I was able to use that later on. I want to suggest to you that my friend who will be in heaven someday, that I will meet someday, he is a fruit of my friend that pulled me aside and taught me the Word of God and gave me that resource, that Bible study book. How beautiful is that? He has no idea. And you have no idea what fruit God will produce through you. You're just called to be Faithful. And you're called to anticipate fruit, even if you cannot see it. You are called, and I am called, to anticipate it. Look at chapter 17 and verse number 4 with me. We'll read down through, uh, well, we'll read 4 and 12, I guess. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. So there's the fruit. Look in verse number 12. Many of them, therefore, believed with not a few Greek women of high standing and as well as men. And so Paul anticipated that people would respond. And what he was, he was faithful. And that's what you need to be, faithful. You might need to get some more courage. You might need to find the right resource. But you need to anticipate that God's going to do something. I had this experience just this past week as I, um, I have tried to take opportunity to get the courage up and remind myself to give out the gospel. And one of the best tools that we have, I'm, just, I'm, I'm completely biased here, but this is just, I, I believe this completely. One of the best tools that you have to share the gospel is the resource of God's local church right here at Calvary. Don't miss that. I mean, what's going on in these classes and these programs and in these fellowships, the gospel of Jesus Christ? And so you have a wonderful resource that millions do not have. And I understand that, and I believe that. So I invited someone that I interact with to have their kid come to church because we have a great resource for that. And this was quite some time back, and they didn't respond to it. And what does that do to us when someone doesn't respond to it? <laughs> right? kind of takes the wind out of our sails. And there were multiple times when I talked to this one about that, and I saw this person this past week, and they brought it up. I didn't bring it up. I wasn't being courageous. They brought it up. They said, yeah, you mentioned something about your church program and something for my kid, and don't miss what I'm about to say. Don't miss this. Then they said, yeah, my daughter, she's been coming to me asking questions about faith and about God, and I can't answer them. And so I thought about what you said. and how we doubt our God and we doubt his plan. We need to anticipate the fruit. And I am anticipating that God's going to do something with that. And you need to anticipate through your faithfulness. Maybe you're doing some watering. Maybe you're having, there's an old, there's a song that gets put on the radio sometimes. What if you're the seventh, is it 17th one? Is that right? Somebody help me out here. Is it, if it takes 15 times, what's the song? What is it? 15. 15 times. If it takes 15 times for someone to hear about Jesus, what if you're the fourth person or the eighth person? I don't know where that's at, but I think that that's part of your fruit that you won't even see sometimes until we get to heaven. How beautiful and wonderful is that? And let me go ahead and tell you what I did with this one. Is The next time I saw them, I walked up to them and I said, your daughter's been asking questions. My daughter asked questions at my church. I'm biased, yes, but I believe in the church. Years ago. And there's one, they're here this morning, that prayed with my daughter in one of the Sunday school classes to accept Jesus Christ. Now, I want to be responsible, and I took my daughter out afterwards Um, the next week. We went to a place called Emma's Diner. Isn't that appropriate? Emma's Diner. And um, I I walked through this booklet with her. This is just a booklet called Who Will Be King? It gives the gospel very clearly, um, but it's it's one of the most wonderful presentations of it. And I walked through this with my daughter, and I went to this woman in the marketplace that I interact with, and I said, this is what I walked through with my daughter, and this is what I gave her, and I want to give you one. This is a good way to answer those questions for that. And then I said, by the way, I don't know your church background at all. I don't know anything that you have. And so can I just ask that? And they kind of went to a church when they were young for some time, but not really a church background. And so I said, can I give you a different resource? And I have an app on my phone that I can send through a message. And I said, can I send you this? And it's meant for adults. And it explains the gospel very clearly. These are just different methods that we have that we can use. And let me encourage you. You need to expand the methods that you have. You need to make sure that as you are giving out the gospel, that you have different ones that you can use. All right, we've got to finish up here. What do we got? Just a little bit of time left. Um, Let's see. Give the message. Be courageous. Anticipate fruit. And uh, then let's go ahead. This is not... I, I put it on a slide, but this is one that's difficult. This is not one that we like to advertise, Okay? But I'm not doing my job for you if you go out in the world if you don't know this. Because one more thing that we need to understand is when you do this, you're going to face conflicts. I would suggest to you that even as you're faithful in doing this, you might face more conflicts. That's an interesting debate. The more you give out the gospel and see people coming to Jesus Christ, does it get easier or does it get harder? Because I can see how you'd be encouraged and want to do it more, right? Right? I mean, I, I'm. I mean, you're just building momentum and you're wanting to do it more, but I firmly believe that if you're having an impact for this, that the devil's going to attack. If he's seeing people turning from his way, turning to God's way, the devil will attack, so conflict will come. Paul's message turned the people in Thessalonica's world upside down. Look at verse uh, 5 with me. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble... If you've got a King James Version, it says, of the baser sort. I love that. They formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authority, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are acting against the decrees of Caesar saying there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. So unable to find Paul and Silas here in Thessalonica, they take Jason who was housing them. I don't know what Jason's story is. Maybe he got saved during this time of debate and interaction. But Jason was housing them. They could not find them. And the charges are clear and the charges would be effective. They were uh, making trouble, so troublemaking was one charge, and the other charge was treason, which should sound familiar to you. That was what they charged Jesus Christ with, treason, to say that someone else is king besides Caesar. And I want to give these guys some credit. They were very shrewd because in verse number nine, we find that they had a way to get Paul and Silas not to come back. Look at verse nine with me. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go so jason would pay a bond that would be a guarantee that paul and silas would not trouble them anymore so as long as these two magistrates were always in charge here paul could not get back in look at verse 13 with me but when the jews from thessalonica learned that the word of god was proclaimed by paul at berea also they came there too So they left that previous place and came and disrupted things in Berea, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent off Paul on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. And so as we close here, we find that some of these Thessalonian Jews come and they instigate another riot. And so if you're looking for the takeaway for your life here, you need to be courageous. You need to be looking for the right method to use in giving the message, and you need to anticipate fruit so that your life can count. Specifically, what can you do? I went ahead and put a couple things down here. First of all, prepare yourself to be bold. You found in your bulletin this little cardstock handout. Um, I made one of these for myself, not nearly this colorful or classy, but I made one of these. Some of you have seen it in my office um, and on mine, I have some names actually written on the back. And I pray for boldness. Some people don't have to pray for boldness. You're just a bold person. You're going to storm in like a rhino. That's, that's cool. Just direct it in the right way. Some of us have to pray for boldness. I remind myself to be bold. Keep this. Maybe as a reminder, I wrote some names. I think I've got five or six or seven names written on mine. I've got some praises when literally, and for the takeaway here, what do I have? Uh, prepare yourself to be bold for the encounter And then when you come to the encounter, be bold. Literally, I have been walking and maybe the Spirit's leading and I'm seeing this one that I'm praying for, I'm going this way, and I've stopped and I've said, no. I asked God to give me boldness and to give me opportunity and I've turned around and gone and talked to somebody that I've prayed for boldness. You need to prepare yourself to be bold. And then when the chance comes there, be bold. You won't regret it. You will not regret it. And then finally, as we close... Have more than one tool in your toolbox to connect Jesus to others. I've talked about this one a lot. A, invite someone to a church event. I think Calvary is blessed in that way. Also, be consistent. Be a consistent, godly life to those around you. Because we're out of time, so I'm not going to dwell on this a lot. But you can have as many tools as you want in your toolbox. You can be as polished You can be as magnetic, you can be as wonderful as you want, but if your life message, your lifestyle does not match this message that you're giving of Jesus Christ, it will not have effect. And I know you can tell me, well, God used to use wicked kings from the Old Testament to get his... Yeah, that's cool, but don't be that wicked king, okay? Don't have God saving someone in spite of you. Let your life count for something and then have multiple resources to communicate the gospel, and I've gone over a few of those. We have some available here at Calvary. These are things that you can add to your life that can help you to produce fruit, that can help you to be at a place when your life work is ended and you cross the swelling tide to where you can hear the words, well done, good, faithful servant, enter into this joy. Let's pray. Father, as we look to you with an anticipation that you're going to give fruit, I think we walk blindly oftentimes, completely by faith. Allow us to believe you, to have so much faith that no matter who we are, no matter what our life is, we listed different qualities in people before. Maybe we don't have any of those. Help us to draw from the example that God would take the shepherd boy the one who no one expected would be doing something incredible. And it wasn't because they were so great. It was because they were obedient and willing to be used by you. And I thank you that you use shepherds. And I thank you that you use ordinary people. And I praise you, Heavenly Father, that you use broken people, of which I am one. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm going to ask Ron just to play through, just a stands on the piano. you pray? Just pray that God would use you, that he would give you courage, that you would believe him for the fruit. Maybe you're here today and you're not one that's going to stand at the bema seat to be judged for your good works. You're going to stand at the great white throne and God will say, depart from me. You'll be in that big group going to hell. It's not too late. Today can be the day of your salvation. Accept the gift of salvation and forgiveness of Jesus. Pray at this time while the piano plays. We thank great service today would you stand with me we know this chorus but there are actually two verses to this if you know the verses would you sing with me people need the lord